Good morning. Morning. And another good morning. I don't know where. I don't think I have to do anything to this. Are we okay? Good to go. Fantastic. Good to see everybody this morning. Not quite so sunny, but I'm not giving up. I did not pay three pounds for a bottle of fake tan to cover up these legs, nor for anybody. Um, I just wanted to quash a wee rumour before we start this morning. I did not overcome my well-documented fear of heights to do a solo five past of Turnberry yesterday. Okay, that, that was not me. It seems to be a rumour going round that that might actually have been me. Turns out not. I just totally don't try it. Oh, no, I'm not going to. I promised, promised. We've had Americans staying with us for the last week, which, who some of you met last Sunday. We promised not to have any conversations. We agreed between ourselves, Stephen and I, we will not mention politics. We will not mention the T word. We will not do anything. What's the first thing they say when they have their dinner? So what do you make of our president? <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Anyhow. <laughs> I'm not going to go into those conversations anymore. But I thought I knew these people. However, um, we're going to do a couple of Bible readings. and We're going to go from Leviticus to Acts. How's that for a leap? But that's what we're going to do. I'm going to just put this out the road so that I don't knock it over at any point. And I'm going to pray first. All right, but that's where we're heading. Leviticus 19 and Acts 2. Father God, we just, as we've done repeatedly already this morning, just bring everything to you. We thank you, God, as we look on your glorious and wonderful face. As you turn your countenance upon us, God, we just say that we love you and we are so grateful for everything that you've done for us and continue to do for us. And God, we pray as we often pray that anything that that I say that's not of you, God, that people just ignore it. And anything that's of you, God, just registers in our hearts and our souls and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So Leviticus 19 verses 9 to 10 says this. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Now the gleanings were the the edges of the fields. In other words, were to harvest the field, but there's a bit at the edge that you can't quite get at. You would need to really go after that. But they're being told to leave that and leave that for the, the widows, the poor, the aliens. We looked at that when we looked at Ruth a while back, that that was how Ruth sustained herself and her, her mother-in-law by gathering up the gleanings. So that's, that's what that is. And then in Acts 2, a passage that many of us would know well, they devoted themselves, sorry, verses 47, eh, sorry, that's rubbish, 42 to 47. There's the first thing that came out of my mouth, that's rubbish. Okay, <laughs> verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Remarkable times in the the life of the early church back in the days of Acts. What I wanted us to look at this morning, if it's okay, is we're going to look at generosity. And the reason for me thinking about generosity was that, you know, Nick has said in the last wee while things about everything that we do as a church, as a family, as a fellowship, should reflect the character of God. And when Nick spoke two weeks ago on on love, and then speaking last week on Philemon, I just felt that part of that working out 
of that love is in our generosity and how generous we are as a people to each other and to others. And as ever, you know, we want to look to God, we want to look to the Bible, we want to look to to these points to signpost what we're doing. And, And the Bible from start to finish is just about God's generosity. Right from the very earliest in Genesis when he created this incredible world that we live in. A world that has absolutely everything that we need in it. A world that still actually has everything that all the seven billion, I think, were at people would still be fed and looked after and given fresh water and all the rest of it. They could. The world could still sustain all of that. It's just how we've chosen largely, I feel, in the West to distribute it. And that's, that's a whole other issue <laughs> for a whole other sermon series, perhaps. But, you know, there's still things, there's still plants that we're discovering in this world that are actually beneficial to us, that are beneficial to us medically. They're still finding plants and animals and insects and things in this world with all the technology that we've had for so long. We're still finding things that we never knew were there. It's just the most astonishing creativity and the most astonishing generosity of God. I even think, you know, when you look back to, to Genesis, that when God allowed Adam to name the animals, that's generous in itself, isn't it? You make all these animals and then you very generously say to somebody else, but you get the choice, you get the chance to name them. It's quite incredible. Have a wee think about if there was a new animal, what you would actually call it. That would be quite a, a fun game. So the source of generosity is God. And from the start of Genesis to the actual coming of Jesus, to the gift of Jesus, how generous was that? How generous was that of God? to gift Jesus to us and then the gift of the Holy Spirit and then the gifts of the Holy Spirit it's just generosity from start to finish and I love you know that Nick Nick quite often gets to about 20 minutes in before he says the so what okay (laughs) I'm going straight for the so what we're at the so what already all right Um, because that's it in a nutshell kind of like so what Every time we read our Bibles every time we come to church every time we pray it should be stamped with that so what so, so what if God is generous, if his part of his character is generosity? It's maybe kind of really obvious to us in one sense. But, you know, if God's character of Jesus' life was to be so wonderfully, completely, joyfully generous, then the so what for us is to be wonderfully, joyfully generous. And that maybe gives us some thought. And you better start thinking, because we're going to do that thing that we all love to do, and we're going to actually talk to each other this morning. Giving you a heads up, the doors are locked, you're in. <laughs> so before, but you know, for, we're going to look at different ways that we can be generous too. So if, before you switch off thinking this is just all about money, right? Because that I think quite often is our mindset as well. This is not all about money. It's money in part, right? We are going to look at money as one of the areas of being generous. But there's so much more to it that in actual fact that's almost just a, a small part of it. So it's that in part, but not, not wholly. And we're going to look at different ways we can be generous. We're going to look, I think, and do a wee bit of self-examination of how good are we at that? Um, how have we been blessed by other people's generosity and how have we felt when we've been blessed like that? Because the thing is that if we're followers of Jesus, although we might be attempting to lead lives like his, and we know all that already, but that whole, see that whole pesky free will thing that he gave us, I mean, it really is at times a pest, isn't it? So, you know, we can choose to accept all that generosity from God and he'll not take that back. If we're believers and followers of Jesus, he won't take that away from us. But what we can choose is just to accept that generosity and not actually be generous to others and show that to others. We can choose to do that. We don't really want to, I don't believe. 
But there's nothing that I could say, there's nothing that anybody else can say that would change that in you. The only person that can change that really is God through his Holy Spirit. We could also be generous in degrees, I think. You know, we can be a wee bit generous. You know, we can be a wee bit generous at times. Bits of our life can be quite generous. We can choose when we, we do that. But quite often then it's maybe on our terms and it's maybe when it's convenient to us. Or we can be that 100% totally generous way. You know, that people might say of us, you know, they would give you the last penny. They would drop everything to come and help you. And I can think of people like that. I'm sure you can think of people like that too who would do those things, you know, give you their last walk instead of taking a bus because they've given you their bus fare. You know, drop whatever they're doing that's important to them just to help somebody else. But even from the start, you know, one of the things I wanted to highlight is the amount we give is far less important than the attitude we give it in because God is looking for a cheerful, joyful giver. So he's not really looking at the, the amount, but he's looking for that joyful, cheerful giving of whatever we have. So we will look at financial generosity first, because apart from anything else, it gets it out of the road. So and in Acts 2, it's very much there's financial generosity going on there. They were together and they held everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. I mean, that, every time I read that verse, I am so challenged by it. It's just quite incredible. That's how they were living. That was the impact of Jesus coming. That was the impact of Jesus' resurrection, that they looked around and they were family. I mean, I love, I love my church family. You know, I love that we're family. I love that we emphasize that we're family. But this is a real, real proof, isn't it? It's just quite incredible. And I do wonder, I've had lots of conversations with people over the years about how that would look like now. What would that, that look like if we were to be able to do that? And there's loads of differing opinions. You'll be thinking some of yourself, I'm sure. You know, the usual one, it was for a particular season in the church. They were just starting off, so it was just for that particular season. It was just for that particular generation. And then it is, do you know, it's a wee bit cultish, isn't it? Just a bit cultish. It smacks a wee bit maybe of communism. Don't know if we like it. You know, would it maybe encourage laziness? You know, why would you work if somebody was going to give you the, the money? Why should I not be rewarded for my significantly important job or my significant amount of study or whatever? But, you know, but what would it and could it look like if we actually were to embrace that as churches, as societies? You know, could you do it? Could I do it? That no matter who sat in here, no matter whether you are working or not working at the end of a week or end of the month, we all had the same amount of money. How incredible would that be? I tell you, the quickest way to close a school is for the janitors to go and strike. You know? The quickest way for a school to turn into absolute chaos is for the admin staff to go in some kind of go slow. The quickest way to get people really upset and annoyed is when their bins don't get emptied. You know? What does it say about our, our society? I know it says lots, and I'm not wanting to get into to loads of it. I read a story, I couldn't remember, I tried to check this morning, I didn't want to tell you the wrong book, but there's a story written by Shane Claiborne, the American activist, and um, he talks about going out and spending some time with Mother Teresa. But that was significant in itself, but the bit was he met a German businessman when he was there, and the German businessman had sold everything, absolutely everything, and gone to work with Mother Teresa. And Shane Claiborne had asked him why had he done that? And he said, well, I just became a Christian and that's what it told me to do. <laughs> that's what Jesus said to the rich young ruler. Sell everything and follow me. That's what he did. He was such a new Christian. He didn't realise you could do this in degrees. 
I'm glad you can spot the sarcasm. I'm always worried that people don't get the sarcastic bits and they think that I meant that. Anyhow, um, but let's think about it. You know, in ways that you've maybe been financially blessed by someone else's generosity, and we are going to talk about it. You know, I do want you to talk to people, not necessarily if you're sitting next to your spouse or whatever, or your best pal, maybe talk to somebody else. You know, and I do know, and I'm going to say this right away, that I know that the Bible tells that our giving should be done in secret. You know, your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is. So this is not a case of me asking you to say to somebody, oh, I, spent, I sent £50 to your fund last week. You know, or, you know, I bought so and so the lunch or I, I paid their electricity bill, nothing like that. But, you know, I'm thinking more things like, you know, just examine it for a wee minute. You know, mine, for instance, would be, you know, I do try to respond when I hear of a, a need. I do try to do it. We'll look, in re- we'll look at regular, we'll look at spontaneous and all that. But I do try to do it. You know, and sometimes I think I do it quite well. It sounds awfully modest. We're not very good at that in church or the rest of Scotland. We're not very good at it. I think I do that quite well. Other times, I just rubbish at it. Other times, I will see an absolute need and I'll think, oh, I must give to that. And then a week or a month or a year passes and suddenly Facebook does a wee reminder of it and I'm like, oh, that's one of my memories. Oh, meant to give that. So, you know, we can all do that kind of thing. But I do try to, and then I try to do it when I next remember. So, you know, there's, there's gaps in it all. And for the receiving part, you know, as a family, we have received so much from God's people over the years at different times. And, you know, things like from coffees or a lunch. I met up to pay for my lunch recently and, and somebody had paid for it already. I was with a friend. I mean, that knocked her out. Absolutely knocked her out that somebody had done that for us. And it, it was just generous. There was no need for it. We were in a, a place we could have paid, but it was such a generous thing to do. We were once sent on holiday by another family. We were once given a holiday because life at that time was particularly tough as, as, as a, a family with young kids and, and various things that were going on. I mean, that was mind-blowing generosity. It was actually, it was transforming for our family, that level of generosity. So just for a couple of minutes, how about we give this a go? And this is, this is session one of two, right? That's, an even, that's to even make you squirm even more. We're going to do a second one. But just for a couple of minutes, just, you know, whoever's near you, or move a wee bit if you like, because we've got space this morning. Just examples, even if you want to err in the, you know, or, or move towards the side of, this is how I've been blessed, right? Which is maybe more comfortable for us than this is how I bless people. Okay, can we do that? That's a rhetorical question, all right? Just in case you were wondering.
Okay. All righty. Are we all? All right. So I see you'll have another chance in a wee while. So don't, don't worry. Hold that thought if you still had something to share. <laughs> okay. So you'll all have shared a huge different things. You know, I wonder too for some of us sometimes if maybe when we're on the receiving end, you know, is that, does it make it feel as uncomfortable? Do we sometimes feel uncomfortable when we're on the receiving end of things? You know, do we have to overcome that first and foremost? Do we have to recognise that, you know, if we believe that God has prompted this person to be generous and to bless you, then instead of maybe feeling uncomfortable about it, which is human nature, I think, then we need to recognise that that's part of God's blessing. Not only is that a blessing to us, but it was a blessing to that person. Maybe it affects our pride as well. Maybe we're so brought up to that self-sufficient way. We don't need anybody. We can manage. We can cope. It's just not good. Another stumbling block, I think, in our giving maybe is fear. Maybe we're afraid that if we give things away, then we won't have it. Well, we obviously won't have it if we've given it away. Sorry, that's stating the absolute obvious. But maybe we'll not have enough then for what we need as if there was ever any possibility of outgiving God. You know, we will never outgive God. And I'm not talking about being rash or stupid in our giving. You know, God doesn't want that either. You know, God made us intelligent human beings. So we need to weigh things up and we need to do things carefully. We certainly brought up our, our boys to, if you're going to give to a charity, then there is nothing wrong with investigating that charity. Find out how they operate. Find out where their money goes. Find out all of these facts because that is just sensible, I think. One of the ways that we give, obviously, as a church and show our generosity is when we, when we take up our offering, you know, when we give back to God as part of our worship. And Steve and I were very challenged about tithing a good number of years ago when we were near Baptist Church. And it, you should see his face. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, sweetheart. But he's just looking at me blankly. Because it's something that we've done for so many years, I don't remember, I don't think he can remember back to the challenge, but the cha- we weren't doing it, right? So for those that are not very sure, tithing is giving 10% of whatever comes in back to God, back to your church. It's very Old Testament, so that's another issue, which is another sermon all in its own. But you know, my view is it was Old Testament, Jesus didn't change a single thing, if anything he said, be even more generous than that. So that's my take on it in a nutshell. But no doubt at some point, somebody will preach to you for 30 minutes on it, that's fine. And quite right. So, um, but you know that was that was our thing. We were really challenged on on the whole tithing thing. And at that time, on paper, we just couldn't actually afford it. You know, we had already all our commitments were in place: mortgages, electricity, all that kind of stuff. But it really felt so. And it was actually um, Jamie Martin's dad's fault because he was treasurer at the time in Air Baptist Church, and he gave me a wee book on tithing. And you know that way when somebody gives you a wee book and something, then you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm lost. I might as well not read the book because I know what it's going to say. So we we did it. We did it. And you know, I'm not going to stand it. I don't believe in prosperity gospel, so don't hear that out of this at all. But you know, we did it. We have continued to do it. We've now never not done it. And we're not any worse. We're probably a lot better off than we ever were. But it's just not a prosperity gospel. It's probably just more about being absolutely serious and committed and good stewards. Okay, so that's, that's my take on it. Um, for a church like Southside, in case you didn't know, you know, we are self-funding. So there is no central pot. Nick's mentioned this before. There's no central pot of money coming from some outside source. We sustain it. So we pay wages, we pay upkeeps, all the rest of that kind of stuff comes from us. And I just, I just believe it is such a, a biblical principle. I'm not, I should put a wee disclaimer, you know, 
even other, oh no, well not. Um, so, you know, that's, that's it. We just didn't manage to, to outgive God at all. And like I've mentioned already, you know, I do like planned things. That will not come as any surprise. You know, I'm a bullet point list person. I'm fairly organized about lots of things. I'm incredibly scatty about some other things. But, you know, look, looking at your finances and planning what you can give, it doesn't actually take any of the joy out of it at all. It just means that you've planned it and you can do it. But I do also love, and as faithfully as possible, that was my other thing to say was that, you know, none of this is legalistic. So although I'm saying that we have managed that, you know, I know that if there was a point in a month where I'd say say to God, I can't actually do this this month, God knew that already and God would be fine with that because God would know my heart. So please don't hear it that it's, you know, it's such a legalistic thing that you must do it. Because apart from anything else, we keep coming back to he loves a joyful giver. So he doesn't want a giver who's sitting at the table crying about how she's going to pay the electricity because she's done her tithe. So I'm, you know, I'm sure about that. Um, but you know, spontaneous giving is also so wonderful, isn't it? If you're just a spontaneous giver, and you know, it's alleged that I quite like Facebook. It's alleged. Um, and I just love, I love when the crowdfunder stuff comes up, you know, and I love when, my, particularly our sons, you know, that their friends are doing marathons for the hospice or they're doing this, that or the other. And I just love that. I love seeing what they're doing and I love being able to do even just a wee bit because it's such an encouragement to them and there is such a, a joy in it. Paying a coffee or a meal at Unity Grill is another way of just absolute spontaneous generosity. You'll never know who got that coffee, probably. You'll never know who got that meal but your spontaneous generosity will have made such a difference to somebody's life. Anyway, that is more than enough with the money. I promised you there was more to this than, than money, so there is. Um, Jenny's going to laugh at this because I said to her at, at um, Holiday Club, I just love the strap line for give a day, right? Just love it. And then I got to fierce generosity and I, was, I lost the words. <laughs> Somebody's going, I love it, I love it. Anyway, fierce generosity through proactive compassion. And, and I just love that, you know, this idea of being fiercely generous, being absolutely a part, like it is the character of God, it's our character too. We are fiercely generous people and we do it in so many different ways. So, you know, we often talk about look at what's in your hands. What have you got that you could be generous with? Is it the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you? Is it your experience through life? Is it different skills that you've developed? Is it your home? Is it your business? Is it whatever it is? Just fierce generosity through using that. I mean, it's just the way it was with, with Jesus as well. He was fiercely generous with everything that he had. So perhaps like Jesus, it might be with our time, with our time that we spend with people. That's a way to be fiercely generous. We can show huge generosity by being willing to give up some of our time to spend time with people. And I think often we think we're too busy to help. You know, we're too busy to do that. And that's true for many of us. So if, you know, you're at the stage in life where you've got small children to be looking after or at the other stage of life where you've got elderly relatives to be looking after, that may well be true. It may well be true that you are too busy to do anything else and you shouldn't ever feel bad about that because in actual fact, what you're being in those periods of your life is fiercely generous with your time. So that's, that's one straight off. But often, you know, myself included, it's actually what we really mean is, you know, there's other things I'd rather be doing. You know, I'd rather finish this book. I'd rather watch this box set to the end. Oh, see Nick in that suits. I mean, were you here the week that he recommended all these different things? I mean, honestly, I am addicted. I think I'm going to have to get prayer for my addiction to the TV box set suits. But it is wonderful. And now I know who Meghan Markle is. It's great. Um, but, you know, we do often mean that. You know, I'd rather go for a swim. I'd rather go to the cinema. I'd rather go home and just have a coffee and put my feet up. And you want me to do this, you know? 
But, like I said at the start, we know people that would give up anything that they were doing, anything that they would rather do to come and help people. And being generous with our time is why so much in society depends on Christian involvement, to be honest. When you think of toddler groups and sports clubs and uniformed organisations and food banks, breakfast clubs, lists, debt counselling, befrienders, fierce generosity of people with their time and their skills and their talents for others. One of them, when I spoke to a couple of friends about this whole idea of, of generosity, a common theme, and it kind of goes with the time thing, was about listening to each other. You know, well documented in society just now that one of the main problems is loneliness for certain sections of society and for people in society and all the problems that leads to with isolation and mental health issues and just not feeling that you belong in society at all. So that's a huge way. I've benefited recently hugely from you know, a few really good friends who have just spent the time to listen to me and to let me talk through things that are going on and hugely beneficial People love it. People love it. It's so yeah, a lot of things that you see people doing out in the streets are things like, you know, come and sit on a couch. I'd love us to do this, I have to say. If you've got an old couch, don't throw it out yet because I want us to have an old couch. In the ha- well, not an old couch. Why would we have an old couch? Sorry, that's ridiculous. I want us to have a really nice couch that, so, <laughs> that sits out in the high street and we just put up a wee sign, have a seat and have a chat. Wouldn't that be great? Right, that's good. There's four people nodding. So that I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. You know, we've almost got a quorum here in any case, so that's that's something. But you know, people would love that. I'm a great one. I mean, I quite like you'll be shocked. I don't want you to be too shocked at this, but I actually have a bus pass now. Best thing ever. Yep, you're supposed to be shocked that I've got it. However, um, but it's wonderful because you know you stand at a bus queue and you, you chat to people and all all that. It's just it's just wonderful. I love it. Um so we need to do that. You know, God listens to us, doesn't he? All of the time. All of the time. God never sleeps. He never stops listening to us. We, and we call it prayer a lot of the times. You know, we, do, we call it prayer, but actually we're just really conversing with God and we're just really chatting to God. The bit is we know that we find really difficult is when we're asked to do the listening to God part. That is always much more challenging. Um, but the recent prophetic ministry stuff that we did, that was a lot of the, the stuff that we were challenging ourselves on was how do we actually listen to God. The next most challenging thing is then how do we actually do that. But listening to him because he listens to us. So there's huge numbers of ways to be generous. I think too, you know, a great thing is just to be generous in our dealings with each other and generous in our dealings with other people. And what I kind of mean by that is, you know, that whole thing of think better of someone else than they actually think even of themselves. So don't look for the negatives. Don't look for the things that they don't do well, but look for the things that they really do do well. And even if there's just a glimmer of that, they do that well, then just praising people for that. Not in, a, you know, not in an insincere way, but in a genuine way, kind of calling it out in them and, and doing all, all that. Being generous even with people that we work beside, how challenging is that at times? <laughs> for those of us that are, are working, how can you be generous in your workplace? How can you be generous to others in your workplace? Is it you know, sneaking them a wee bar of chocolate in their desk, but don't tell them who it is. I know we're supposed to be diet conscious, but, you know, every so often there's a place for a cake. Um, or, you know, a wee post-it note or something like that just to, to cheer them up, even if they don't know who it's from. Or, or helping somebody out. You know, it might well be their job and it might well be their task, but if they're clearly struggling with that and not going to get it done in time, you know, doing it the right way, why can't you jump in and say, I'll give you a hand with that? 
There's great ideas. There's a, a, a website called Acts 40, or no, it's not, it's 40 Acts, and it's, it's usually to do with Lent. It's usually to do with doing something for Lent rather than giving things up for Lent. But there's brilliant ideas in there about how you can just be generous and how you can bless people. And there's some really nice... I had a friend um, who used to buy every so often, she'd buy a pot plant or a bunch of flowers, and she would just literally randomly walk about until she felt God saying, that's the person there. And she would go up and, and just and say to them, you know, I felt God saying you were to have these. I mean, that's just... Most people, the vast majority of people, if you did something like that for them, would be thrilled to bits. They might think you were a bit weird. But that's okay, because, you know... We are. We are. We believe. I can't remember what Emma Stark's thing is. I don't think she calls it the Bible quite a weird book, does she? Was it a strange book or something like that? You know, but we believe in a weird story. We do. We believe in a very weird story that Jesus came as a baby, lived, died, rose again, you know, spent time, hundreds of people saw him after he had died, and then went back to heaven and promised to come back again. It's weird. There's no doubt about it. So giving somebody a bunch of flowers and saying, I think God told me to give you these, is, is on, on the weird scale, it's very minuscule, to be quite honest. And even if they think you're weird, they've got something pretty to look at and then might actually begin to think, you know, what's in this? We had friends visiting um, last Sunday. I'm going to tell you one more story and then I'm going to give you a chance again to, to have a wee chat about this kind of generosity. So friends that I mentioned already are American friends and they've spent time over the last while. It's always been a goal throughout their lives to build their own home, right? Which sounds fabulous and looks fabulous, but to build their own home, but very American. There's a big basement, the same size again, and they have fitted out that basement beautifully and it's for the use of particularly missionaries who are maybe back on sabbatical, back for leave, or about to head off somewhere. And they'll stay in that basement for a weekend, for a week. The couple that are moving in just now are there for three months. And they'll stay absolutely free. That's their generosity, that they're using what they have. The couple that they've just given it to, um, she said that the wife just burst into tears when they were told that they were there for three months and it wouldn't cost them a single penny. And that's been such a, a, a lengthy step of obedience for them. You know, they heard that years ago, that it's taken a while to get to that stage, but they always knew that that's what they would do. And now it's, now it's done. Anyway, chat amongst yourselves for a few minutes. So I'm thinking now of things that where somebody has done a non-financial blessing to you, or you've witnessed it, right? We could always do that thing, since you don't want to talk about what you've done, you could say it was a friend, right? So if it's actually you, you and you don't think you should be telling people that it was you, just say... I know someone who did, because you do. That's true, isn't it? It's not a lie. I'm not asking you to lie. I mean, would I stand on this platform and ask you to lie? But if you don't want to say, I did this, you could say, I heard, I know someone who did it. Anyway, a wee bit of the non-financial blessing that people have experienced or witnessed would be good for two-minute chat. You could always move and chat to somebody different. Oh! <gasps>
Okay, right. I'm just conscious that time's getting on, so you can continue your chat over tea and coffee. So the point really of doing that, apart from getting you all a bit more interactive, and uh, <laughs> I don't need to talk quite so much, is also just to encourage one another. You know, like we can't fail to be encouraged when we hear you know, our own stories. And when we remember our own stories, sometimes I think we're not very good at remembering times that we've been blessed, remembering times that God has blessed us or, or has, you know, made us part of his amazing plan to bless other people. I've just got a couple other thoughts and then I'll ask the, the band to come back up. One of the most incredibly, amazingly generous things I heard recently was a friend of mine who gave a kidney to a friend who was on dialysis. Not a relative, not a child, not a sibling. I don't mean just a friend, but you know what I mean? Not a relative. Gave a kidney to his friend so that he could be freed up from dialysis. I mean, that's just, is that not astonishing generosity? And finally, I thought a word, and I've made this a very random number, I have to say. I don't know what number to make it. So I'm going to make it for those of us who are over 40. I don't know. Make it whatever you like, 35, 45, whatever. But, you know, one of the things I think we need to be really good at and being generous is for the next generation. And I think we need to be really generous about encouraging the next generation coming behind us to develop their faith, to develop their ministries, to develop their gifting, to develop their service. And I think it's really incumbent on us, not just for some kind of like succession planning, but in actual fact, to do that whole generous thing of allowing people to try things out and generously allowing them to make mistakes sometimes having a good enough memory to think back to the things that we did that we would never do that way again if we had the chance but how much did we learn from it and I think we really need to I think you know with a church like ours with the demographic that we have and with all these young 18 people going off 18 youngsters going off to Soul Survivor that's brilliant what are we going to let them do when they come back I would let them do loads <laughs> and I'm sure lots of us would too you know but we have to be generous about that because we have to give them the time, we have to give them the space, we have to give them the freedom, we have to be flexible, we have to sometimes accept that they're not going to get it all right. And if we can't do that, we need to go and get a very good mirror and have a very good look at ourselves too. <laughs> so let's just be generous and give an opportunity. Let's be generous and showing love to people, because that's what it really comes down to, isn't it? It's just it's an outward expression of our love, because God first loved us. I'm going to read the Acts passage, I think. I don't know, I might read the Leviticus because I had another thought. But one of the things that came to me as we were praying through the back was just this phrase that generosity wrecks lives. Generosity absolutely wrecks lives. It wrecks the lives of those that by your generous act you've let them see the generosity of God. And quite often for people their lives are never the same again. And generosity should wreck our life as well because we should be looking at what we have and how much we've been blessed with in all of these different areas and just being able to use it. And it wrecks your life. So you have to be prepared for a wrecked life. But it's a wonderful life and it should be a wonderfully joyful life. And that would be my, my prayer for us. So in what ways can we leave the edges of our fields for those that are in, in need? I'm going to read Acts again. The band could even come up if, if you like, but I'd quite like to read Acts through again and almost have us listening to it as a prayer. So let's, let's pray, and then the band will lead us in some more worship. 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Father, we thank you for all your goodness to us. We thank you for all your generosity to us. And God, we just ask that you would just lead us in the ways of loving and generous lives. That you would open our eyes to see situations and occasions where we can do even the very smallest acts of generosity that are just life-wrecking. And God, just give us the courage when you're asking us to do really big acts of generosity that we can also do that. In Jesus' name, amen.